So what we've been talking about through this series, Go to Grow, is the idea that sometimes mountains stand between us and the things that God has called us to in worshiping Him and in following Him. And as V said, the first week we talked about the idea of identifying who God would reach, have us reach out to with the good news of Jesus in our spheres of influence, those people of peace, people that not only like us and want to hang out with us, but people who would be receptive to the idea that you follow Jesus and want to be a part of that. And then in the second week, we talked about the idea of extending invitation to a conversation about the faith you have. You may remember, if you were here, we talked about three knots, the knots that you listen to in conversation that cue up an invitation from someone else. You know, I wasn't expecting that, or things are not going well, those types of cues. What we've been doing in this series is giving you some actual practical skills to be able to go and use this conversation to draw people into the life you have in Jesus. We don't want to just tell you, go and invite, and then good luck. Hope that works out for you. We want to actually give you the words to speak, give you the situations to find yourself in. And as V said, we're talking today about the idea of small group. And you're going to see us putting a pretty heavy emphasis on small group life in the next couple of weeks. And the reason is because starting the first week of October, what's going to happen? We're all going to go through and meet red letter challenges, the red letters of Jesus, the words of Jesus in the scripture as he tells us to go and share our faith, as he tells us to follow him. We're going to be entering into small group life together in October, and that life is going to take us all the way through Thanksgiving. So what we're doing right now is we're not only recruiting for our small groups, we're also raising up small group leaders, and we're opening and equipping ourselves, opening up and equipping ourselves to make invitations into small group. And we'll get into the reasons why as we go for just a moment. But as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, God has given us a vision. And it gives us a chance here at our second anniversary to step back away from what we've been doing here for a couple of years and ask, why are we here and what is it we're here doing? God has placed us in South Naperville for a reason. What is that? That's to share the good news of Jesus as he's called us and he's given us a place in his kingdom. And that's not by going and forcing ourselves on people who don't want to hang out with us, is it? It's by going and simply sharing Christ in us with those that God has placed in our lives. And so he's literally called us into a life of being fishers of people. Now, the last time you went fishing, when you cast the rye, you cast that line into the water, did you catch something 100% of the time? If you did, go ahead and raise your hand. You are anointed as a fisher person, right? But even when the disciples were fishing and putting nets into the water, sometimes they had a dry day, right? The same thing happens when you're fishing for people. So we have permission to cast the nets of faith, cast the lines of faith in our lives, and have nothing come back. What that does is it actually grows us a step further in faith and following Jesus, knowing that Jesus is the one who will bring the fish into the net. We don't have to force them. One of the coolest opportunities we have in the next couple of years is to take a look at a worship space to move into potentially in about two years from now. Now, if you've been around the last couple of weeks or if you're familiar with TSN, you know that there's a nice worship space for about 350 people that's adjacent to our Trinity Early Childhood Center. 
The Early Childhood Center is a little more than four years old. It closed up its academic year last year with 80 kids on the roster. And you can imagine how powerful it might be for us to have our worship space right across the hall from that ministry. And so what God has done is he's given us the opportunity to look at some growth goals together and say to each other, we believe that God has called us to grow to about 120 people by next fall by doing simply the life that Jesus has called us into and inviting and sharing that life with other people. God has given us the opportunity to grow into about 120 in our congregation, including kids and adults, for us to realistically look at a lease of this space in about a year when the lease and the move-in might take effect in about two years. And so we've seen that as we often do at Trinity, we've seen that as God calling us into something. At Trinity, we often respond to what God is doing by listening and by paying attention to how things move and change around us. This is one way that we believe God might be doing that. And so for us, what we're doing is we're taking very seriously the idea of following Jesus. And that does include inviting people naturally, organically into the life that Jesus has called us into. And the way we've tackled this, the way we've handled this is by not only providing strategies, but also taking a look at those things we fear, those parts of us that we're afraid of sharing with other people, those things that cause us to hesitate in sharing our faith with someone else. And we're calling them mountains. It's the idea of this. Jesus has gathered his disciples together in Jerusalem. Maybe he points at one of the mountains they see there. And maybe that mountain is standing between them and their objective of an authentic relationship following him and access to his father, who is God. And whatever that mountain, whatever that obstacle is, Christ has overcome it. We talked about the idea that as we're sharing our faith and sharing our lives with other people, sometimes we believe we're not worthy to share the good news of Jesus. That there's something in our past or something in our present even that keeps us from sharing the life that God has given us. And we've called those things mountains. And we know that Jesus has given us the ability to overcome those mountains, those fears, those insecurities and toss them into the sea. So the question for us becomes today, as we talk about entering into community and small group, what's the mountain? If there is something keeping you from community and small group, we're gonna call that a mountain. And we're gonna look at that mountain and with the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus would call his disciples to cast that mountain into the sea. We're going to call that thing an obstacle that's going to move. And we're going to move into group life and move into the invitation into group life that Christ would have us do and be and share with those that God has placed us in life. So why, first of all, do we have small groups at Trinity? Why not just come here on Sunday morning, enjoy worship together, by the way, I loved the Holy Spirit dropping during the music this morning. Could you feel that? You feel the Holy Spirit just kind of pulling up from the bottom and rising up? That kind of feel also happens in smaller groups. And here's how that works. 
I want to show you the pragmatics of how God works in smaller environments. I'd have you take a look at a scripture with me, and this is Matthew chapter 12. I just want to step to the side and read this for you. This is Jesus talking about small group community. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, the bigger group of people, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. Jesus' reply is both cryptic and informative. So open your mind through the Holy Spirit and take this in in full force. He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and mother and sister and mother. Now, what is the doing of the will that Jesus is talking about? In a nutshell, it comes down to this. Following Jesus. The will of God for your life and mine is following Jesus. And it's following Jesus into the places where he would go. It's following Jesus into the conversations that he would have. It's following Jesus into the small groups of people that he would join. And it's following Jesus into the worship environments that he inhabits. This is us following Jesus into the unknown. It's the concept of creating spiritual family. Now, have you ever been a part of a small group before where there was a dynamic among you where you felt closer to the people in your small group than you felt to the people in your own biological family? Have you ever had that before? I did once about a million years ago when I was in college. I was with a bunch of guys who, like me, like to play music, and we like to honor God with our music. And so we formed a Christian band. Now, this was when my hair was about as long as Sabrina's here in the second row on the left side. And on video, you can't see Sabrina's hair, but I think my hair was down to there. And I know that's hard to imagine these days, but I had a whole bunch of other guys that had similar hair and had similar faiths in Jesus, but we were from all different denominations. There was a Presbyterian, there was a, a Pentecostal, there was a Catholic, there was a Baptist, which is not hard to find in the South, by the way. And then there was me, the only Lutheran for miles. And so we would get together and we would rehearse and create this music and perform and do all these things. But the thing that grew us the most was the time we spent not in rehearsal, but together as a family. For years, we would meet and talk or argue about theology and following Jesus and faith. And we found ourselves like iron sharpening iron, rubbing against the lives of each other and growing. And that experience changed my life as a 20-year-old. I can look back on those days and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has made us for small group. That is when my faith life exploded, is that time that I spent with those men. And you know, God has taken all these, these men in this group in totally different directions. But I'll never forget the Holy Spirit's presence as we argued and ate and drank and hung out and shared life together. And God melded us into a family. He made us something closer than my family ever was and ever will be. Here's how that works. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, he showed a vulnerability. Now for Jesus, maybe Jesus wasn't really vulnerable in that moment. 
because he's God, right? But he displayed for them something of weakness in his flesh. The wounds that were inflicted on him when he went where? When he went to the cross. He showed them those wounds and he invited a member of his small group, his disciples, to take a good close look at those wounds, the ones in his wrists or hands and the one in his side. And his Caravaggio represents here, even maybe he let Thomas put his finger in the wound. Now that's kind of gross, right? You take a look at that and say, oh, that's nasty. But hey, look, when you get in small group life, that's what happens emotionally and relationally. You bear yourselves to each other and you give yourselves permission to stick your finger in each other's stuff. And when you do that, you become family. You become close. You start to care. You start to give each other uh, your life. Share your life together. Here at South Naperville, we've been using the strategy for a couple of years called entertain, listen, and invite. And we talked a little bit last week about the idea of entertaining, buying food for someone, a drink or a meal or something like that, and asking them to join you in conversation. It leads to spiritual conversation. The same idea applies when you're thinking about inviting someone to group life. Now, maybe you will be on the receiving end of this invitation in the next couple of weeks. But I would suggest that God has called and equipped each one of us in this room, all of us, with the ability not only to embrace that kind of spiritual family, but to have the tools to invite and bring other people into the same atmosphere. So when we're talking about entertaining, what we're talking about is an old-fashioned word that simply means to buy a meal, provide a drink or something where it shows hospitality to someone who might not otherwise give you an audience. It's a person of peace in your world, someone in your sphere of influence who would not normally stop and have a conversation with you unless you invited them to share some kind of a drink or a meal. And so the idea becomes this. It gives us a stage to get on together where we're actively listening to each other. And we use what I call the one hour effect. Now, when you're listening to another person and you're having a conversation that's 10 minutes long, you can only go so far in that conversation in intimacy. You can only share so much information in 10 minutes. In our household, a 10-minute conversation is usually about something the kids are doing, something we're doing, something the cats are doing, something the neighbors are doing, something the band is doing at school, something a group is doing at church. It's tactical. There is something that is shared there that's just informational. But when you carve out one hour of your life, to sit down over some kind of a beverage or meal and actively listen to a person, ask them, tell me your story. And then you zip your lip and you listen until there's an opportunity to ask a clarifying or open-ended question. Tell me more about what you just said. I'd like to hear more about what just happened to you. I'd like to get some more information. Share more of that with me. And then you actively listen to that person for one solid hour which in this context, in this day, in this culture, is like an eternity, isn't it? Because when you text somebody and your conversation's over in 30 seconds flat, you are tactically sharing information. 
But when you sit with somebody and share for one hour, basically them telling you about themselves, you're going to go into the land of intimacy with that person. And you're going to be listening for some particular cues that are going to help you set up for the invite into spiritual family life, into group life. Last week, I shared with you a few key pieces of conversation to listen to when you're inviting into conversation. Today, in particular, there are three cues I'd love for you to listen to. As you're having that one-hour conversation, listen for whether that person would be a good fit for observing your group. Now, what do I mean by that? When we go into the Red Letter Challenge, the Red Letter Challenge, and there's a stack of books on the table back there, the Red Letter Challenge is taking people's faith in Jesus and moving it forward, where we're progressively following Jesus into the next. You may have somebody in your life whose faith is not there yet. Maybe that person doesn't know Jesus personally yet. And the time they spend with you will be their first real exposure to life in Jesus. Maybe that person would be a good candidate to simply come and listen to what's happening in small group. And as you're listening to them talk, what you're going to listen for is the difference between a person who needs counseling, professional counseling, and someone who is ready to take a next step in faith. Now, maybe there's all kinds of shades of conversation in between. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to invite someone to your small group who needs some help in the counseling world. Because small group is not supposed to provide that level of service. In that case, reach out to your church and we can give you counselors for that person to go to. But what you do want to listen for is somebody who's curious spiritually, perhaps even open to the idea of faith, or maybe they grew up in some form of the church and are not connected with the church at all. In this area, you hear a lot of people say, I grew up Catholic. And then you ask the question, where do you attend mass? And in a lot of cases, people will come back. And I have tons of Catholic friends. In a lot of cases, they will come back and say, I'm not currently involved in worship anywhere. Or you maybe have somebody who served in a church in another state as they moved in the Chicagoland area and something happened to them. They had a falling out with the church. And there's an ingling of faith there, or maybe there's even the underpinnings of strong faith, but they're not currently connected with the church family. That is a good person to consider inviting to small group. Why? Because the, the intimacy that God will create between you and your group members and potentially that person could be healing to them. It could be therapeutic to them. It could be the opportunity to lay the groundwork for relationship that those guys have not had before. This is a very specific group of people that we're entertaining and listening to, isn't it? Inviting to small group is not right for everyone, but for some people, it could be the bridge that God uses to reach out to and secure new faith in someone who needs a faith family. Last week, there was one particular question that I would have you ask people as you invite them into conversation. Do you remember this if you were here? It's kind of hard to tell my story without God in it. Would you mind listening? This is as you're entering into conversation. What I'd ask you to do is be open and aware to a similar kind of question when you're talking about small group. And here's a setup for that question. Here's some numbers to share with you. This past week, I had the opportunity to study generosity. And I'm just going to steal some numbers from 
this uh, learning that I had this past week and share it with you because I think it's really informative. There are several different generations among us here at Trinity South Naperville. We've got Gen Zers, Millennials, Gen Xers, and Boomers. We haven't yet achieved elders, but if you stick around long enough, maybe you'll become one of those. We've got at least four of these groups of people represented in our congregation. But what you see up on the screen is five different ways to be generous. Now, maybe you thought generosity was all about giving money. But generosity also includes the idea of being hospitable and sharing emotional support among some other things. But what's interesting, fascinating to me, is that among the generations, if you look at the trend, which one of them has the least frequencies in it, least aggregate amount of frequencies in it? Hospitality. We believe at Trinity, not everyone is called and equipped to be a small group leader. Not everyone is called to be a small group leader. Why? Number one, small group leaders excel naturally and with support in hospitality. They excel in bringing people into their spheres of influence, into their own homes, making them feel welcome, making them feel secure and safe so that they can grow relationally. But you can see even across the generations, tons of people like to offer emotional and relational support across the generations, which is exactly what small group does when the small group has an opportunity to bind together spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. So what I'm going to suggest to you is this, is a small group leader is a specially gifted person that has the ability to be hospitable amongst a large number of people and yet bring a small group into their own home and make them feel like family. They have a specific gift to be able to do that. Now, we also believe at Trinity that everyone has the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit and support to be a discipler of other people, to be one who helps people along in their faith. We look, live, and love more like Jesus and help others to do the same. That is what we teach to our whole congregation, right? I would suggest that that skill in particular is in the emotional relational realm that we all yearn to have and we all seek to use with other human beings. And there's no better place for that practice than in the small group setting. So what are we saying here? We're saying simply this, be in small group life. And if you have a penchant for hospitality, maybe God is calling you into leadership. We don't know yet. And there are other um, characteristics of small group leaders that we need to investigate. But joining a small group and being in that intimate environment gives you an open stage to be able to offer emotional and relational support to each other. So here's what we're looking at for becoming members of a small group first, whether we become leaders of small groups later or not. What we're looking at is the idea of extending to each other the invitation into small group that's centered simply around these words. And it doesn't have to be rocket science. What I'd love for you to do is say these words with me. Ready? One, two, three. Would you be up for joining me at small group sometime soon? That was a good run, but kind of weak. Let's do it again. Ready? All right. Would you be up for joining me 
at small group sometime soon. All right, let me count you in this time and let's do it with gusto. Ready? One, two, three. Would you be up joining me for small group sometime? See how easy that rolls off the tongue. That's all you got to do is let that roll. But you don't want to let it roll to people on the street. I'm not sending you down to the corner of Washington 75th with a cross on your back to do this to everybody who goes by in their car. We're asking you to look at the people God has placed in your life to scrub them through these cues. There's an inkling of faith, but I'm disconnected from church. Or I have a yearning to be with a group of people like me, but I don't have those people. Then you can say these words. Would you be out for joining me at small groups sometime soon? The idea is this. To share with people emotional, relational support and share the hospitality your small group leader is sharing with you. I want to say that again as the kids get ready to come back in. There are two major reasons we enter into small group. Emotional, relational support and either to provide or to be a part of the hospitality our small group leader is providing for us. So what two things are we looking for sharing with people that we invite into small group? What's the first one? Emotional and relational support. The idea of sticking our finger into each other's stuff just enough where there is healing and community. And then secondly, we're either providing hospitality or we're participating in the hospitality our small group leader is providing for us and for other people. So I'd encourage you as we close and as we pray and as we invite the kids back in, I'd encourage you to let the Holy Spirit open your mind. Let them open your mind to who these people might be that you would invite in the next couple of weeks. Because starting October 6th, our new small group season begins. And what are we studying? The Red Letter Challenge. It's going to change your life and the life of someone else. Would you bow your heads? Pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us a mission we can accomplish. You're a God who's given us something we can do. And so the mountains of what we can't, in your name, be cast into the sea. Let us rise up, God, with your power and your strength. Share the invitations with those who would come to group life with us. And God, if one of us is not in group, help us to find that group. It's there. And then begin to share our life in group, in intimacy, in family, with someone else in need. We lift up before you all of our groups coming to start at the beginning of October. We pray that you anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit and that people would find you and would heal through your power. In the great and holy name of Jesus, we pray this, trusting him now and forever. Amen.